Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for this extra edition of Take Two Today. Joining us today is Congressman Blake Moore. Thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a while since we've uh, spoken. I think the first time we've had you in studio and you've been in office for a while, so I'm yeah. glad we're doing this. Uh, for people who don't pay specific attention to what their congressional leaders are doing, Tell me what your biggest win and maybe your biggest loss so far when you're working on bills and how it's been going for you so far. Absolutely. Um, loved a chance to talk about that, actually. We've, uh, we've been very successful in getting, getting some key things done. Just a few weeks ago, we had what's called the Mapland Act signed into law. Now, being, you know, the Mapland Act is, a, is, is an opportunity for hunters, fishers, hikers, everybody that loves the outdoors to be able to embrace and use our, our public lands. It's going to digitize millions of acres, nine, nine and a half million, million acres that are sort of stuck in old bureaucratic filing cabinets, if you will. Um, we're going to digitize those maps so we can get them on access to, on, on apps and things like that, that we can, we, hunters can now know exactly what access, point, access points they can go to and open up a whole new swath of, of public land for them to use. I mean, you saw from the pandemic how much we embraced our our outdoors and yeah. this is going to kind of help that along a lot way a lot of ways. So. Will it help anyone who goes camping or mm -hmm. doing other things recreationally hiking be able to map out where they're going is this more specific for people who are hunting? No, this will be for any outdoors enthusiasts. And I think, you know, like the app on X is a very popular one and there'll be others that it gets gets adapted to, but this is just something that they can use and 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 um, just shows you there is actual productive work being done back there and I've uh, you know, we, we, we try to communicate two big things and all the things that we're pushing back on. The reason we have inflation, the reason we have high gas prices is because of President Biden's policies. And they've been, they've been atrocious and they didn't need to be that way. These are self-inflicted wounds. We don't need to have the type of rising prices that we do right now. Um, we, don't, we, we shouldn't be in a situation where we're raising interest rates just to slow the economy down when this economy would have bounced back on its own without any extra help and to add $2 trillion. I would say, you know, even though I was strongly voting against it, I'm... I'm uh, I think Congress's biggest flaw over the last little while was, was a $2 trillion spending package that we didn't need that has created direct line. And this is even from Obama-era economists saying, yeah, that, that American Rescue Plan, that is what, why we're all, while we are all suffering right now. And there was a lot of spending during the pan pandemic under the Trump administration. Do you feel like that added to the problems we're dealing with right now as well? So there's a couple things that added fuel to the fire, right? So the pandemic-related response, mm -hmm. so there was, there was, there's three major bills. The first two bills were highly bipartisan, and they, you know, the first one got us the PPP program. That was, that was a productive way to kind of get through what we didn't know exactly was the pandemic. But by, by the time we got to the American Rescue Plan, which only passed on a party line vote. By the time we got to that, that was what lit the match to be able to, to, to really ramp up all of this, this inflationary pressure. Supply chain issues, yeah, absolutely a cause. But that American Rescue Plan, it, the stimulus money and everything that was associated with it, it thwarted our workforce and the supply and demand just got completely out of whack and that's been, that's been tough for American families to deal with. 
So how do we fix this? Because that was probably the straw on the camel's back. But the right. spending's been going on for years and years. Republicans right. and Democrats alike have been spending money more than we probably should if you right. want to live within a budget like families Absolutely. do. So what do we do to fix this? Because this is everyone's problem at this point. How do we roll back the hands of time? And is it even possible at this point? So, the, so acutely, we're going to have to raise interest rates to slow the economy down. That's the way you address inflation. Again, I don't, we, don't, we, we shouldn't have been in this situation, but you're going to have to do that. And we're seeing that. Just last week, there was a 50 basis point increase, and the Fed has just, you know, indicated that they're going to continue to do more. That's going to slow the economy down. That should get prices back under control. But there's the negative externality with that is that you're slowing the economy down, and you're hurting jobs and things like that. Overall, you're totally right. For 20 years, you know, as I've been sitting on the sidelines, I've been sitting there watching, why can't we get our spending under control? And I think the thing I'm, um, while we've gotten bills done, those are all really, really great wins in this political environment. The thing I'm most proud of is the debt and deficit task force that I've put together with groups, um, with, a, with, a, with a group of uh, Northern Utah and a few people, you know, some, some economists, business leaders, uh, that it's gonna highlight the three things that Americans need to know right now. Okay, what is our commitment? What is Congress's commitment to fiscal responsibility? Two, what is what does the ideal state look like and then you know what are some near-term recommendations we can do so we put this we put together this group because it's something i'm really passionate about to be able to address our debt and deficit going forward because you know we can fix these things acutely in the short term but washington has a major spending problem and we've got to be able to get out ahead of that it's easy to say you want to fix things. When I look at everyone running in the race right now, everyone in Congress, they say, it's out of control, we've got to fix it. But specifics are what changes things. Are there specifics you have right now where you know that you can go into Congress, sit down with people from both sides, and actually work out a deal that will actually help the problem we're in right now? Or is it all talk at this point? No, see, that's why I did this group. That's why I did this. We just published our recommendations two weeks ago. The reason why I did it was because I was sitting here so frustrated, like why is Washington just, we had a balanced budget in the late 90s, why can't we get back to that? Um, and so this particular document will identify a framework, grow the economy, you know, secure up our, 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 our mandatory spending, the things that are vital, those programs that are vital and how we go about reforming that, that process, focus our spending because we have way too much waste in a lot of our areas across the board, and then fix our budget process. There is countless number of of committees and and uh, you know, but whether it's in the House and the Senate that are dealing with this, and they're they're only taking a piece of the budget. The revenue side doesn't even match the the spending side, and we've got to we've got to fix and reform all of that process. So we've put together a lot of recommendations. They're 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 smaller things like how to strengthen our workforce, as well as larger things like hold, truly holding people accountable. Strengthening the workforce, I know, is something that Utah businesses are struggling with. Every business I walk by looks like it's hiring right now. They can't have enough people. A lot of times you go to a restaurant and they can't seat you and it's not because they're full right now, but maybe they don't have the wait staff to help you or the help in the kitchen. So what do we do? Because when you look at uh, President Biden, the White House, the talking points that come out, we have more people in the workforce now than we ever have before, more than we did pre-pandemic. So how do we get enough people working to fill these positions as businesses grow and get back to their pre-pandemic levels? We identified 11.2 million jobs that need to be filled. It's a lot. This is our point. You fill those jobs, we also we all of a sudden get more revenue. We we dig into our deficit issues by just getting people, you know, back to work and incentivizing and make sure that we're not having bad policy that is disincentivizing people from getting back into the workforce. Um, immigration. Immigration is another thing I talk to Utah companies about all the time. We need we need 
comprehensive immigration reform, right? And that includes, you know, enforcing the good policy that, that has existed, and that's a, that's a big criticism I have of President Biden, by not enforcing the Migrant Protection Program, that, that has incentivized a lot of illegal activity on the border. Okay. Second is to strengthen the border in areas. There's multiple ways that we can we can be doing that. There's even Utah companies and organizations that are involved in, in some that. Does that mean building the wall that President Trump started, or do you have a different plan that you think would work better? So there, it's, there, there is a multi-pronged approach to, to, to securing the border. One, some of the work that we have done previously, like in Colombia or the Northern Triangle, like that type of work has positive impacts on re reducing the uh, stress on our border. Finishing areas of the wall that help funnel some of that drug cartel trafficking and human trafficking. If we can use a physical border in places, but then we also have increased drone technology. We've got we've got to be able to to, to, to provide some more support. Right now, Texas had to to the governor had to take it into his own hands to get their their army and air national guardsmen down to the border, and they just had. I was just there a few weeks ago, and the body of a of a guardsman was recovered from. He went in to try to save somebody. Someone that was illegally crossing the border, he went in to save that person. Um, and so we're putting, we, we need to increase our presence, increase morale for those folks. So it's a multi-pronged approach. It's not just so simplistic. And then the last part is making sure that we have streamlined visa process, work, work permits that we can vet, properly get people here. There's a, there's a, a strong embrace of of, of a migrant workforce and companies from landscaping to agriculture, they want that too. And we're working on just a, being able to address all all angles of it. Will that take an act of Congress? Because right now we had President Trump putting executive orders in, and now we have President Biden reversing executive orders. Some of them possibly pandemic related, and if we're going to be done with the pandemic, it makes sense to get rid of those. But to fix it long term, it seems like it's something that Congress needs to go in and Absolutely. sit down and make an agreement. Is there anything on the horizon where you think the both sides can sit down and figure this out? I've seen really strong proposals that should be able to garner bipartisan support. Uh, we need. We, this is something that Congress has to not abdicate our responsibility to the executive branch, and both, both sides have done it. And when you rule from the executive power, it never sticks, because like you just mentioned, it gets reversed and then gets yeah. added and reversed. When you're in the majority, you have to go tell your president, and say that president is in the majority, that's when you fix it. It's, it's, uh, I think Americans are kind of like, tired of just the constant back and forth. Put together a comprehensive plan and make it work. And I, and, I, and I know there's people on both sides of the aisle that are interested in that, and I want to be, be, be a part of that voice. It seems like there's an election year that always gets in trouble of some of these things passing because people are worried about what their con constituents would think. And even if Republicans agree with it, they want, don't want Democrats to walk away with the win. Is there something that can realistically be done soon where you can sit down with both sides, figure out the DACA issue, which I think both Republicans and Democrats have said need to be fixed, yep. and fix the border all at once? Or is this going to be taking it piecemeal, one piece at a time, and fixing it? DACA was something I thought we were going to be able to address this yeah. year. Um, it didn't happen because as soon as the Georgia Senate flipped to the blue side and the and Democrat and Chuck Schumer became, you know, you had the White House, House and Senate all in Democrat control, like they they weren't really sincere about fixing DACA that was defined even under Obama. They were expanding that way farther than what ultimately, you know, what the initial DACA work was. In a balanced government, I think you can get DACA. So if we were to win back the majority, Republicans were to win back the majority, I think there's, there's clear opportunity to be able to put forward real legislation that would be more comprehensive than, you know, if Republicans, we're going to need to make sure that we have strong border protection and, strong, and strengthening that border. Uh, and Democrats are going to have to recognize, like, okay, this has not been good. We have had an enormous amount of drugs come through. 
if they're willing to accept that, we come together on a more comprehensive view. So I'm hopeful for it. But we'll hopeful see. in, you think, if the balance of power shifts the next election? I don't, see, I don't see Democrat leadership right now coming to the table and changing anything. They've had an opportunity. I think it would be better for them politically to come and enforce things like the Migrant Protection Program, or it's also AKA mm -hmm. the Remain in Mexico policy. That was a good policy, and that should have been enforced, and it's just simply not by President Biden. And I don't see them changing their course in the next you know, four or five months that it would require a balance of power back there. One core shift that could happen in the next few months, uh, coming from the leak from the Supreme Court. Tell me what you thought when you heard about this leak of initially coming out and also the draft policy that came with it. And we always know that the draft isn't what the end policy is. Right. What, are, what are your thoughts right now on this leak that came from the Supreme Court? Yeah, let me not mince words here. I am, I am very supportive of Chief Justice Roberts in his strong statement that they, he will investigate this. We cannot have these type of shenanigans being played out in our Supreme Court. I get that things get leaked in a political environment, but for that to come from the Supreme Court, that's sacrosanct, and this needs to be absolutely addressed, and we can't repeat this type of stuff. Um, that, that, that was frustrating, really, really frustrating to see. So. Right now, uh, over the weekend, I believe John Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh's homes had protesters outside of them. Does that fit within the realm of what people's rights are in our country, their First Amendment rights to protest, or should there be a lawn I guess a line drawn where you can't go and scare families. You should not be able to scare families. Uh, I don't know if they're on their private property or not. I am a big proponent of peaceful protests. Let me be very clear about that. Uh, it's just to going to people's homes seems like an intimidation factor. And um, you know, I, I would uh, very much you know, want to make sure that those individuals are not pressured or they're protected, then make sure that they're protected in, in those situations. But peaceful protesting, it's a core fabric of, of, of who we are as, as Americans, and, and uh, we need that, that will continue to go on. And luckily, we haven't seen too many flare ups. I think uh, you, will, you will continue to see that as that potential um, ruling comes out. If Roe is overturned, it'll kick back to the states, and Utah right now has a trigger law in place that would go into effect. Do you support that, where states would have the ability to decide uh, what their laws were and there'd be a patchwork of decisions across the country, or does there need to be a national law that covers the entire country? So I'm supportive of it going to a state's situation. I think that's a great use of federalism in this case, and I, this is why, since the day I ran for office, and as I've talked to people about this for a long time, I'm so, you know, this is, this is emotional and personal to, to, to so many Americans. This is why I've constantly been talking about making sure that we have our adoption services streamlined, lined up, that there can be an abundance of that capability available, um, education, uh, all the things that we need to do in order to, to, to support people going through this situation. Um, I signed on to the Care for Her. I was one of the original co-sponsors of the Care for Her Act for this exact reason, because we, are, we can't be just, it, when we want to talk about and emphasize the sanctity of life, like there is, it's, a, it's a broad encompassing view. And, and I think we have an opportunity to show how we can do that here. So I support this definitely being addressed at the state level. And that's a way that our framers of our constitution, I believe intended this. 
A lot of people say if you're going to change the way abortion laws work that you've also got to change how you help and treat women and even young women. Does that mean that Utah schools would need to start teaching uh, more than just abstinence education and teach more specific sex education and also birth control and all those things so that there are fewer people in that position where they're looking to have abortion services? Right. So like I just mentioned, embracing all aspects of this so we can best support life and the sanctity of life is, is, is something that we need to be having a very, very robust conversation about. And um, if we look at it from the framework of ending abortion and not just banning abortion, I think more of us can come together on this. Because I know a lot of people, even if they believe in r the ruling from Roe v. Wade or would consider themselves pro-choice, still would be morally opposed to abortion. And if we look through the lens of ending it instead of just banning it, I think we can do a lot better as a society. And you believe that's possible? I'm going to continue to be optimistic and hopeful and build my team and our efforts in that type of voice. Uh, before we let you go, uh, you've got a few months left where there's more work to be done, whatever happens in the next election. What are your goals and what are you hearing from your constituents that they want done? So we have an awesome bill that's uh, we're trying to get to the finish line here. It's called the Sailing Lakes Bill. Uh, we have a problem with Great Salt Lake. It's continually uh, gotten smaller and, and the waters have re retreated. And that's going to cause a lot of bad, um, let's call it side effects, right? Snowpack, lake effect snow, industry related things, bird migratory, mm -hmm. everything across the board, uh, respiratory issues come, come out with it if, if these types of lakes dry up. So we've got a bill that we're, we're working on in conjunction with the state legislature and all the great work that they had been working on in the governor. So we want to we want to see that get through in the next few weeks. And what I also want to what, what I'm heavily focused on is I serve on the Energy Climate and Conservation Task Force. And this is something that Leader McCarthy and the GOP wanted to communicate to Americans. Hey, you know, we want to show these key policy issues from health care to immigration to energy and climate, what are we talking about? What are we willing to do? What are we going to do policy-wise? And, and that's one area that I was selected to, to, to be on that particular um, group. And I want to show Americans how we can get our energy back on track because we have been reducing emissions over the last two decades. From Obama and Trump era, uh, President Biden took this to a whole new level where we, where we were already on track to, to, to leading the world. And the last thing is I was selected to be a conferee on the China, the two China bills. Yusika from the Senate and competes from the House. And we need, a, we need a conference on these two to get a really strong bill from Congress that's going to put America in a better position and a better uh, competitive advantage over China. And I was selected to be um, one of very, only 30 Republicans from the entire conference of over 200 were selected. And, I was, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to be on that bill. Uh, leadership knows I have a background in Asia and you know, related to intelligence and defense, and this is gonna be a cool opportunity to, to, to really get my hands dirty on, on get, my hands you know, get my hands involved yeah. in making sure this legislation is what it needs to get to so we can do a better job against China. All right, we will follow that closely. Congressman Blakemore, thanks so much for coming in and joining us today. Thanks so much. Thank you.